It is an honor to be with you all this morning. As Charles mentioned, I served on staff here at Second a few years ago. I know many of you, but I don't know others of you, which is a sign of health, by the way. If I knew everybody, that wouldn't be good for you. And whenever I was on staff, whenever Jason was out of town, I was usually the go-to who had to fill the pulpit. And here I am. (laughs) So it's great. Jason and I uh, have a deep friendship and and, uh, talk quite a bit. And, you know, they say that whenever uh, an inexperienced pastor spends time with a wiser pastor, the inexperienced pastor gets better and better. And I'm here to tell you, Jason is improving. Um, So I'm uh, in all seriousness, uh, you all know this, how blessed you are to have Jason as your pastor. you cannot pastor yourself. So the thing that we have in common is that Jason is my pastor too. Um, And for that, I am very grateful. Uh, I bring greetings to you from my wife, Jessica, who wishes that she could be here, our three children, two of which you've met. Uh, And I bring you also greetings from the congregation I serve, Ardmore Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, We like and love North Carolina, but they don't know how to do barbecue. (laughs) Half of our state puts vinegar on barbecue. So pray for us on the mission field, if you don't mind. But but it is an an honor, an honor to be here. And I I commend you on your commitment to the health and well-being of your ministers by providing sabbaticals for them. And my prayer is that these next few months will be a time of spiritual renewal for Jason, for his family, and for you as the church that loves them so well. And I love this church. I love you. Uh, It was 10 years ago this month that I was ordained in this room by you. And so I am so grateful for who you were in my life then and who you continue to be for the sake of the kingdom in the world now. Would you pray with me? Prepare our hearts, O Lord, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own so that we may hear your word and obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we loved living in Kansas City, and and I'll never forget the last fall that we lived in Kansas City. It was 2015, and the Royals were in the World Series. That year, the Royals were a powerhouse team, and they always seemed to save their best stuff for the eighth or the ninth innings. And finally, in this series, it was down to game five in New York City against the Mets, And if the Royals won this game, they won the series. And game five took place on November 1st. And I was not able to watch the game that night because I had a work meeting in Columbia. And the meeting ran late and I knew I was was not going to make it back to Kansas City in time to watch the game. The car that I drove at the time, the radio didn't work. And so while I was driving on the abomination that is I-70, I was... 
trying to get back in time to watch this game, and I decided I was missing so much of the game that I was, I'm just going to try to stay spoiler-free. I'm not going to learn anything about the game, but the, but the last thing I did manage to hear on the real fuzziness of the radio was that it was the sixth inning, and the Royals were down by two runs. So I was on the edge of my seat. I was just wanting to get home and find out the outcome of the game. And so I, I pulled into our driveway and I got my backpack out and I was at our front door when all of a sudden my next door neighbor burst out of his house in his boxers and screams, Royals win! <laughs> and I thought, well, that's just great. And so I went to bed. The next morning, I was off work that day, and I was eating breakfast, and I decided, you know, I, I'm going to try to see if I can find a way to watch this game. And, and uh, so, against the express permission of Major League Baseball, I found on YouTube videos of the game, and I watched the game. I picked up where I had left off. The Royals were still down by two all the way to the top of the ninth inning. And even though I knew that they won in the end, I still found myself thinking, how are they going to pull this off? Matt Harvey is a powerhouse pitcher. There's, there's no way they could actually take this game. But then in the ninth inning, thanks to Eric Hosmer, who later betrayed us, but uh, <laughs> thanks to Eric Hosmer, they tied, and then after 12 innings, they won. And it completely changed the way that I watched the game when, when I already knew how it ended. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were going to be the champions, but I, I did not know how they would pull it off. I did not know how the game would end. Well, in many ways, that's exactly what we have here in this fantastical vision from John in Revelation 21. The book of Revelation can be pretty hard to read. It's difficult to read because in our modern world, we don't really have anything to compare apocalyptic literature to. It can be hard to read because we've all probably heard TV preachers who like to graft current events onto the ancient text. It can be hard to read because Revelation feels like it's all about the future. And so we sort of hold it at arm's length and think, that's all fine and good, but what does this do about how I live my life today. So yes, Revelation gives us glimpses of the future, like here in our passage Charles has read for us, uh, but these images are not meant to be things that we marvel at or keep at arm's length. The images of the future that we have in Revelation are meant to shape who we are in the present. So what do we have here in these images? Well, here in Revelation 21, we find in this glimpse of the future that we are shaped by what we find. First, we have a, a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. But that, that's a kind of misleading way to say it. Because John does not mean that heaven and earth have been thrown away, and so now God is starting over with a brand new other heaven and earth. Because actually, in the Greek, it says that this new heaven and this new earth are transformed, redeemed versions of the first heaven and the first earth. 
Yes, this is a new heaven and a new earth, but it's not discontinuous from what has come before it. After all, in this passage, God does not declare that God is making all new things. God declares that God is making all things new. Which means, by the way, that God views this world as brimming with the potential for holiness. That God views this world as worthy of redemption and salvation. Which means that how we treat this world, how we treat this planet, is a reflection of how we treat God. We who worship the Creator God should be the ones at the very forefront in our society to advocate for the health and the well-being of God's good creation. And notice here in Revelation 21 that the goal is not to go up to heaven. The end of the book of Revelation is not of us going up to heaven, but of heaven coming down to earth. That is God's dream for the cosmos. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is explaining to the early Christians what God wants for the entire cosmos. And, and Paul writes this in chapter 1. God has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And our job, sisters and brothers, is to partner with God today in helping bring glimpses of heaven to earth. We work together to live out God's kingdom in the world. Yesterday, Jeff Langford and I attended the commencement ceremony for Central Seminary, which is a fine theological institution, <laughs> Charles. The speaker at commencement was named Grace Kim, and she is a Korean-American theologian. And at one point, she was talking about that moment in the Lord's Prayer when we say that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And she challenged us, and she said that when we pray that we would embrace the kingdom of God, that means that in order to do that, we have to let go of our kingdom. We have to let go of our pursuits of more power, more control, more prestige. And instead, we live out the kingdom of God, bringing glimpses of heaven right here, right now. And this, this vision of a new heaven and a new earth does not culminate in some tranquil place on the beach. It does not end with some picturesque cabin in the woods. It brings us to a city, a new Jerusalem, Hebrew for literally the city of peace. A city. Cities are full of people, <laughs> strange people who may have odd ways of doing things. This is a city full of diversity, full of differences. Those differences may make us uncomfortable. 
But the reason that the image of a city is used here is because faith is not meant to be done in solitude. It is meant to be done in community. That's the vision that John lays before us. A new heaven, a new earth, a new city. And in the midst of this city, a mysterious and gracious end to all pain, to all mourning, to all death. And our job is not to simply ooh and awe at this image, but to live with this hopeful future in mind and to partner with God in bringing heaven to earth now. When I think about people in my life that I see bringing heaven to earth now, one of the people I think of is a a member of my congregation in North Carolina named Ralph Stocks. Ralph and his wife Tammy spent decades as CBF field personnel in Europe, first serving in Slovakia and then in Romania. And and while they were in Romania, Ralph and Tammy helped start and lead a missions organization called Project Ruth. In fact, while I was serving as associate pastor here, Harold Phillips and I traveled to Europe to visit the work that Ralph and Tammy were doing in Romania. Well, Ralph and Tammy Uh, retired from the mission field a few years ago and they moved to North Carolina to be near their children. In fact, their daughter Amy is the missions pastor at the church that I serve. Tammy is now a part-time nurse. Ralph has a part-time job for Enterprise and they were just sort of living their life in Winston-Salem. Now, Romania borders the nation of Ukraine. Romania is second only to Poland in the number of refugees it has agreed to receive. Project Ruth opened up their doors to receive Ukrainian refugees and they became absolutely overwhelmed with the number that came to them. So the leaders of Project Ruth in Bucharest called Ralph in North Carolina and said, Ralph, we need your help. Is there any way you could come and help us? So Ralph started booking a ticket, and on his own time, and on his own time, Ralph traveled to Bucharest to drive a bus on those crazy city streets, transporting Ukrainian refugees from the train station to the mission house. He told me a story recently about a family of seven who had one carry-on piece of luggage and everything else they owned was in a collection of plastic bags. So Ralph bought them a new set of luggage. Ralph was recently interviewed about doing this and he said, I'm not a savior. I've come to add my hands and feet to this team. I'm just honored to be serving the Lord in this way. Ralph Stocks is partnering with God in bringing heaven to earth. Sisters and brothers of Second Baptist Church, how would it change your life if you took this vision of the future seriously? How would it change the way you live in the present if we truly trusted God with the future? And by the way, that's one of the things that I love about you, that I have loved about you for a long time. You all do deeply care about partnering with God in bringing heaven to earth. You bring heaven to earth through your continued partnership with the community of Bridger, South Dakota. 
You bring heaven to earth through providing wonderful ministries to teach children and youth about the love of Jesus Christ. You bring heaven to earth through your partnerships with Inasmuch, the 2BC Christmas store, the, the uh, Many Hands uh, Fair Trade Shop, and all of the other missional things that you do together. You bring heaven to earth any time you take the time to stand up for the marginalized and the forgotten. You bring heaven to earth when you advocate for the rights of those who are often ignored in our society. You bring heaven to earth through your thoughtful engagement with scripture, through your intentional worship. You bring heaven to earth simply through your life together here. And you are bringing heaven to earth simply by you being you. And let me tell you, because I know that I I see more and more of heaven poking through, through who you are. You are, as our friend Jason sometimes says, a thin place for me and for so many others. And I know it does not always feel like heaven is poking through, does it? It does not feel like Heaven is around much because the forces of prejudice and darkness can sometimes be overwhelming. Sometimes it feels like the voices of hatred and bigotry in our world are getting louder and louder. And and maybe you're like me. and, And sometimes you're just so hungry for a glimpse of goodness and grace in the world. Well, friends, take heart. Because the game's not over yet. Thanks be to God.